Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 163rd episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. Okay, so to kick off today's episode, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, which is the latest news surrounding the NHL's hub cities for the potential 2014 postseason. And while TSN's Bob McKenzie said he expected there to be a final decision coming from the league by Monday or Tuesday, here we are on Wednesday morning still without a decision. We do appear to be getting closer and closer, though, as McKenzie tweeted out on Tuesday that the delay is likely because the NHL and NHLPA are trying to finalize all of the Phase 4 protocols before making any final announcements. McKenzie did say, though, that Los Angeles has officially been eliminated from Hub City contention, which leaves Edmonton, Toronto, Las Vegas, and sweet home Chicago hanging on as one of the final two American options for the NHL. Now... If you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen me tweet out early on Tuesday morning that Vegas and Edmonton were still the NHL's two preferred options, with Toronto and Chicago being on the outside looking in. But now, apparently, with Las Vegas beginning to see a second spike of COVID-19 cases in the city area, the league is beginning to shift towards possibly using two Canadian hub cities. So now it's sounding like the rankings from most likely to least likely are Edmonton, Toronto, Chicago moving up to third, and Las Vegas actually falling to last as they've been getting hammered by COVID-19 lately as they're currently up 156% in cases (laughs) compared to just two weeks ago. Chicago, on the other hand, is one of the only states in the U.S. trending in the right direction right now as Illinois wisely remained closed for the necessary amount of time to defeat this virus rather than opening up early because of financial purposes. (laughs) Who would have thought? So, Illinois actually being one of the safer places in the country, in my opinion, has to give them the upper hand over Vegas right now, right? I mean, it would only make sense. Chicago is also a lot tamer in the summer than Vegas is heat-wise, and there are an abundance of rinks all over the city and suburbs, same with housing options, so neither of those would be an issue in Chicago either. So the Windy City continues to hang around here in the hub city debate that's been going on for what seems like an eternity now. But it does sound like the league could be moving forward with this dual Canadian city idea in the next day or so. Edmonton is now what Vegas was for the last month or so, and that's a lot to be one of the hub cities, as I saw a report coming out claiming that the city saw only two deaths from COVID-19 in the month of June, with a positivity rate of 0.8%. So, (laughs) that's about as safe as it gets on planet Earth right now. Lock Edmonton in for that reason. And then with Toronto, the only debate left is whether or not the league and players feel that the city is safe enough to host. We've heard Toronto's government give the A-OK for the NHL to move in, even though the city is in less than optimal condition. So, at the moment, it appears that it's coming down to whether or not the league feels comfortable and trusting of the city of Toronto. If not, hey, you could certainly do worse than Chicago during the summertime. For the first time in God knows when... Chicago is actually in the same conversation as the word safe, which practically never happens. But yes, Chicago, I would have to think, is the next best option for the league if they do not feel that Toronto is capable of hosting 12 teams for the potential 2014 postseason. 
And speaking of that potential 2014 postseason, every day now, the feeling of doubt begins to settle in more and more and more as we keep hearing bad news about either more playing, more players testing positive or all of the potential risks with restarting the season too soon. Well, we got more of that kind of stuff on Tuesday afternoon as Eric Angles, a writer for the Montreal Canadiens and a TSN insider, tweeted out that over the last two days, he's been speaking with players from around the league who are growing quite concerned with the NHL's return to play plan. To quickly go over the couple of tweets that Angles sent out, he basically said that one player estimate, estimated that 75% of the league doesn't want to return to play this summer because they are either concerned with contracting the virus or and or also risking serious inju- injury before cramming in the 2020-2021 season next summer, or next season, which is honestly a fair argument. Are we really going to risk the player's safety and health to rush in the rest of this season when we just could have a perfectly good season starting at the normal time next year? It's a fair question. Engels also tweeted out that another player called the recent calls with the NHLPA a joke, saying that players are growing very frustrated with being kept largely in the dark about how they'll safely be able to resume play. Even with a couple of players saying all of this, The feeling around the NHL is still that the players will vote yes on playing this summer because the playoff bonus will be higher than ever if they do play, and also because hockey is just a different culture, and no one wants to be the person to opt out and say no. So, a lot of information to take in here, but it certainly sounds like there are concerns from the players about partaking in this potential postseason for sure. Things are starting to get more and more complicated, but it's not only in the game of hockey right now. Baseball and basketball are both also having a tough time with finding a safe way to finish out their seasons, and with the current state of the U.S., it's seeming more likely by the day that this return-to-play plan could get pushed back or even possibly wiped out completely here in the next few weeks. Alright, so I think that wraps up the latest updates surrounding the NHL's hub cities and the potential 2014 postseason. Now let's move on to our next topic for today, which is former Stanley Cup winning GM and current TSN analyst Brian Burke's interview on NBC Sports Chicago's Blackhawks Talk podcast about the idea of tanking for a better shot at landing Alexi Lafreniere in the 2020 NHL Draft. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey. That's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, make sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free on your favorite podcast app, so you can get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. So we just finished talking about the latest news on the NHL's hub cities and the potential return to play plan. Now let's move on to our second topic of the day, which is Brian Burke's conversation on the Blackhawks Talk podcast about the idea of tanking for consensus number one overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere. First off, it's always fun to hear an opinionated guy like Burke have a conversation about front office things and such. So this entire interview is pretty cool to listen to, and I highly recommend you check it out on NBC Sports Chicago's website. But the part of the interview that we are going to talk about today has to do with last Friday's NHL Draft Lottery, 
where all hell broke loose after one of the eight placeholder spots that are reserved for the teams that get eliminated in the potential playing round of the 2014 postseason ended up winning the first overall pick in the draft. So, at the moment, the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes are still up for grabs, which is good news for the Blackhawks, but also something that Burke spoke strongly against during his interview. Burke called the NHL's current lottery process a disgrace after the Detroit Red Wings who were one of the worst teams in NHL history and were the worst team this season by a whopping 23 points, wound up with the fourth pick in the draft because of the lottery. Burke spoke about how the NHL is wrong for allowing 24 teams the opportunity to land Lafreniere, when in reality, only seven teams truly deserve to be in the running, and those are the ones who aren't a part of the potential 2014 postseason. Burke does have a point here, as... Frankly, it is kind of BS that teams like the 40-win Pittsburgh Penguins, the Carolina Hurricanes, or the New York Islanders have a shot at the number one pick, when, in reality, they have just a good chance to make it to the Stanley Cup Final. This draft lottery couldn't have been any bigger of a disaster for the NHL, because it's honestly embarrassing to see the worst teams in the league get even further punished because of a random lottery. It only makes sense to give the worst teams in the league the best players in the upcoming draft, and the NHL failed to do so once again this year. If, let's say, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Edmonton Oilers or Nashville Predators, one of those teams, if they get the first pick this season instead of a team like Detroit, Ottawa, Los Angeles, or Buffalo, then that's really a shame and also a horrible look for the league, to put it nicely. Burke also brought up a good point about the league having problems with some teams not filling arenas. Well, how about you give Buffalo or Detroit an actual chance to rebuild their teams here? For the sake of fairness, I think the NHL needs to fix their lottery process because, at the moment, it's not fair to the teams who are stuck in the rebuilding process to be further punished when the exact opposite should be happening. Those teams should be given the most help from the league, and that just isn't the case with the NHL draft right now. Burke and the NBC Sports crew then moved on to a conversation about the idea of tanking for a better chance at the first overall pick, to which the former GM said that, first off, it's impossible to tank at the dressing room level because the guys have too much respect for one another and the game of hockey in general. I always found that to be obvious, but for some people it's not, I guess. But I mean, come on guys, they're not, the guys aren't going to be throwing games at the professional level in the NHL. These guys are a different breed of athletes that want to win everything at all costs. So there's no way that any of these players are going to be thinking about this 18-year-old kid while stepping onto the ice right before a playoff game. Burke actually made a pretty funny joke about this, saying that if Jeremy Colleton walked into the Blackhawks locker room and tried telling Jonathan Taze that the team is going to tank for a better chance at this Lafreniere kid, that Taze would actually punch him right in the face. That's probably not too far off from the reaction Taze would give if he were told that. So, it's pretty safe to say that the Blackhawks are only going to be focused on beating the Oilers if the NHL is able to return to play here in the next month or so. Alright, before we move on to today's regular season recap segment, I want to quickly bring up a statistic that got announced the other day by NHL and NBC, which was that for the 12th consecutive season, the Chicago Blackhawks led the league in average attendance with 21,441 fans per game at the United Center. Ever since basically the beginning of the Taze and Kane era in Chicago, the Blackhawks have been the king of the attendance game in the NHL, but with all the struggles in the recent years, you would think that the team would have problems selling out the UC on a nightly basis. Well, that still doesn't seem to be the case, as even with the team being in the bottom third of the standings yet again this season, the fans continue to show out and support their team no matter how they are doing, which makes me extremely proud to be part of such a passionate fan base. 
It's pretty crazy to think that the Hawks have led the NHL in attendance for 12 years in a row now, especially when you consider how far they've come from just 14 seasons ago, believe it or not, when they were second to last in attendance, averaging fewer than 13,000 fans in the stands per game. Could you imagine the UC at that capacity now? No way in hell. <laughs> but things weren't how they were today back then, as both the on-ice product and the front office were horrendous, which is why, if you remember correctly, the Blackhawks actually got ranked by ESPN as the worst franchise in all of professional sports in North America, which is really something when you consider that back in 2004, the Boston Red Sox, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Cubs all were still on their historically long championship droughts. That's how bad things were with the Blackhawks here in Chicago. But man oh man what a turn of events once Rocky Works took over as team owner, really changing the culture within the franchise and establishing the Hawks as a first class organization. So while this award certainly doesn't feel as special the 12th time around, let's try and not take these kind of things for granted because an era of hockey like this doesn't come around all that often. It seriously wasn't all that long ago that the United Center was nearly half of what it is now for home games. I mean, look at the Chicago Bulls. Things can change in a hurry, and while we may expect the Blackhawks to lead the league in attendance every season now, don't forget that it all can be taken away in what seems like the blink of an eye. Alright, so now I think that takes us to our daily regular season recap segment, where I give a brief recap of one of the Blackhawks players' 2019-20 regular season, just as a bit of a refresher of how they did this year before the best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, for any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or simply just life in general. Okay, so we just finished talking about the Blackhawks leading the NHL in attendance yet again for the 12th consecutive year. Now it's time to move on to two-time Stanley Cup champion Brandon Saad's 2019-20 regular season recap. So for the first time in his professional career, Saad was forced to miss a chunk of game action due to injury after hurting his right ankle back in December, which caused him to miss 12 games. Prior to the injury, though, Saad didn't exactly have the best first half of the season, as in 36 games, he had just 11 goals and 8 assists for only 19 points, putting him on pace for only 43 on the year, which isn't quite what the Blackhawks want out of him. After the injury, though, Saad really upped his game and was playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder with 10 goals and 4 assists in the final 22 games of the regular season. In total, Saad wound up playing in 58 of the 70 games for the Hawks this year, finishing with 21 goals and 12 assists for 33 points. Saad averaged .56 points per game in those 58 games, so if he played in a full 82-game season, that would put him at 47 points, which is what he finished with last season. He did have 21 goals, though, which probably would have been closer to 30 if a full season was played, so not a bad year for Saad, although 12 assists in 58 games, including zero on the power play, isn't exactly what you want out of a supposed top-line guy that you're paying $6 million a year for. Still, goal-scoring-wise, it was a pretty solid year for Sodder, who finished with 20 of his 21 goals coming at even strength or while shorthanded. Sod also posted a career-high shooting percentage of 15%, which, to me, is amazing because... I swear to God, I've never seen an unlucky, unluckier hockey player in my life than Brandon Saad. 
The amount of posts he hits on top of all the times he gets robbed, he really should have 30 goals in each of his last two seasons. He has the worst puck luck of all time, in my opinion, and it seriously wasn't any better this year. So for him to have set a career high in shooting percentage, that makes me excited for what it could be if he actually just gets some damn luck for once. Looking at some of Saad's other numbers, per usual, he stayed out of the box this season with only 16 penalty minutes. His average time on ice per game was surprisingly down a bit at 16.45 from his career average of 17.04, but I don't think that was because of his play at all. I, I think that's just because Jeremy Colleton was jumbling up the lines a bunch this year, and Saad wasn't consistently on the top line with Jonathan Taze like he normally is. Looking at, at Saad's top performance this season, he actually only had two games with multiple goals, with one coming in the embarrassing 4-3 loss to the St. Louis Blues in December, where the Hawks surrendered a three-goal lead in the third period. So Saad's best outing of the 2019-20 campaign was probably his two-goal game on February 1st against the Arizona Coyotes, where he registered both of the team's goals in regulation en route to a 3-2 shootout victory in the desert, one that was much needed at the time for the Hawks. Taking a quick glance at Saad's possession metrics here, and per usual, he was on the right side of the 50% mark for the 8th time in 8 NHL seasons. Saad's 51.1 Corsi 4 percentage was the second lowest of his career actually, but 51.1 is still a solid mark to be at, especially for how poorly the Blackhawks team defense is at even strength. Saad continues to play a strong two-way game, and you like the way he plays because he's responsible on the defensive side of things, and if you watch the Blackhawks play every night, then you know that the guy is truly on the cusp of scoring 30 goals and so close to being the strong top-line winger the fans have wanted ever since the Artemi Panarin trade. So, for that reason, if the Blackhawks do wind up playing the Edmonton Oilers here in a month or whatever, I think you have to keep Saad on the top line along with Jonathan Taze and Dominic Kubelik. Not only does Saad play that 200-foot game that you want on the top line along with Taze, but he's sort of a Swiss Army knife that's good in all areas in the offensive zone. He can provide some solid play along the boards and in front of the net, and he can also turn on the Jets in transition every now and then and wow you with a, with a nifty maneuver for a pretty goal. Saad seems to be in the right place at the right time pretty often, and you want those guys on the ice as much as possible. So in my opinion, it only makes sense to keep Saad with what he's known for the majority of his NHL career, and that's playing the wing alongside Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze. Alright, so I think that is going to wrap up Brandon Saad's regular season recap, and also July 2020's first episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast as soon as it's out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about a potential return to hockey in the next few weeks. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again for listening.